things happen to each of us that are just not fair. And I have a very strong sense of righteousness. And if you get stuck in that sense of this is wrong, and I certainly do, you miss the lesson. There is a karmic lesson in whatever happens to you. And it doesn't matter whether what the other person did was right or wrong. You got to get beyond the victim thing and look at this happened to me for whatever karmic reason. And what is my lesson in this? And if you don't do that, you may clean up the situation, but you're just going to get the same lesson again and again and again, the same lesson until you get it. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. The world of Sabina Wilms is filled with benevolent sages, ancient scripts, magical herbs, and goats. And it is my absolute pleasure to bring you into this world during this episode. Like the sages that she translates, Sabina is a rare being that radiates light, love, and generosity. Try not to be enchanted by her enthusiasm for life and her mission, and you will likely fall short. For the Chinese medicine enthusiast, for the first 24 or so minutes of this conversation, we geek out on some esoteric classic texts that Sabina has translated, including a little-known medieval text. For those without a Chinese medicine background, you might want to gloss over this intro section, but the remainder of the episode is a must-listen for anyone. Sabina and I plunge deep into Taoist practices and philosophies around concepts such as virtue and family reverence. We also look at a branch of Chinese healing that does not involve needles or herbs or nutrition, but instead only verbal, heart-centered communication. This part of Chinese medicine is largely inspired by the teachings and work of Wang Feng Yi. And a few years ago, an immersive retreat into the practice of Wang Feng Yi forever changed Sabina's life. We also pick up some threads of conversation that I had with Heiner Fruhauf on the value of blaming no one and instead always taking personal accountability. Before wrapping up, we circle back around the Sabina's translations and the publishing company that she founded, Happy Goat Productions. Through these publications, she has helped preserve and give new life to many texts and teachings that perhaps never would have made it to the English-speaking reader. This conversation with Sabina Wilms was so much fun to record, and I have no doubt that you will find ample appreciation for her work and way of being. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Sabina Wilms. Sabina, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I wish it were in person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're so close as we just figured out. Really just a swim away. I can't believe how long it's taken us to connect in this format anyway. So thank you for hanging in there and finding time for me. You have been crazy busy which is why we haven't connected for a while. So, And, and I'm really sorry about ta- that. And thank you right. for your patience and gracious responses to me saying, next month, next month, <laughs> and then the next month rolls around and I'm still busy. Tell me, tell us, what have you been busy with? Um, It's really, I mean, first it was finishing my book, The Celestial Secrets, the translation of the Fuxing Jue or what is this mythical Tang Ye Jing, the decoction classic. 
and I don't know how much herbal medicine you guys do at Pacific Rim. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Okay, so maybe you've come across, and I don't know, you know, Canadians are more civilized, so I don't know if you've had this controversy over the tongue itching up up across the border nothing that i'm aware of tell it's, do tell it's this well it's this decoction classic that um has been floating around as being ancestral to all of jung jong jing's work the treatise on cold damage and the yes. jingwe the the golden cabinet so so i started looking into it and um so this 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 you know ancient decoction classic that I should have known about as a medical historian because I know Han Dynasty literature. There's not that much from the Han Dynasty medical literature. And I had just never come across this title before. So several clinical colleagues of mine brought it up and they brought up the content of this classic, which I was like, whoa, this is really different. This is really fascinating. It's about supplementing and draining the Zhangfu organs. It's about, you know, the organizing the 25 basic herbs according to the five dynamics, five element, Wuxing, the, 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 the categories, and then the subcategories. And it's got this cool chart in it. I'm like, what is this text? So I looked into it and I finally found it. I traced down the Chinese source and it's actually a Dunhuang medical manuscript that is dated to between the 5th and the 10th century. So it's medieval medicine. It's not classical Han dynasty. It's not, I mean, it's all about what do you define as classical medicine, which is kind of a nerdy conversation that we don't need to get into. <laughs> but, but basically, it's a, it's a medieval text. So that made a lot more sense to me. I'm like, okay, this, this is where it fits as a medical historian in the evolution of medical knowledge with the language, with everything. So it, it I mean, that's what I spend a lot of the last year in COVID. You know, we've all been like rooted in place. So I went from translating gynecology, I totally switched gear to get into translating Sun Sumiao's volume on Yang Xing, on nurturing the inner nature, which I just figured with the pandemic, that was more important and more relevant, you know, preservation of health and how to keep and create a healthy body and how to align the human with the heavenly and the earthly I mean, we can get really weird here, but I'm it just seemed weird. like it was the, the gynecology is really important. And I got my heart in it and I'll get back to. But it was about pregnancy and people are doing pregnancy. That's all great. So I, I got <laughs> sidetracked on the Sun Miao and yang, it's kind of like Yangsheng, you know, cultivating health. But it's also it's it's the, the it's called Yangsheng, cultivating the heavenly nature, the inner nature. So there's a aspect of virtue. There's okay. an aspect of religious and spiritual cultivation that does not get talked about in normal right. TCM circles. So I got really excited with that. And I thought there was a really big piece for the pandemic, just in navigating and figuring out the human role. And you guys do this on your farm and in what we were just talking about, your education, how you raise your children. It's it's. For me, Chinese medicine is so much bigger than just what we think of as medicine as mm -hmm. a professional clinical 
situation. So I got into that. And then this tongue controversy, I just felt like I had to respond to it. So I did that text. And then I, I started doing these tea time talks last just about a year ago, because I had planned on this huge international lecture tour for my last book, the gynecology book, the channeling the moon one. And I was going to go to Germany and the East Coast and Australia and, and all over the place. And it all got shut down, right? So instead, I started doing these tea time talks as part of my Imperial Tutor mentorship program. And basically, they started out being weekly and then biweekly conversations with just friends and colleagues and teachers that I invited my Imperial Tutor members to join like we're doing now, having a friendly Zoom conversation. And they kind of got the Imperial Tutor Mentorship Program going because they ended up being pretty popular and it just got bigger and bigger. So I've been working on creating a container for my mentorship program as a way, because I've been really missing the teaching because until last March, I was, I mean, I live on an island now and, um, and I love the rainforest and I love my, my, my gardens and my quiet life, just like you. Um, but I was leaving about once a month, every six weeks to, I, I started teaching in LA and just flying down to LA for the weekend, which is really convenient from here. And then all that got shut down. So, so it's taken me a year to completely change direction. And, and have this mentorship program, which I just rolled out in a new platform and I'm super excited about it. And I think it's really working. It's like this, I do a lecture every month, a history lecture, and I do a tea time talk every month. Um, and then I do a weekly scroll that I send people. Um, and it's a monthly thing. So there's a monthly theme that is related to the earthly branch and the zodiac animal. And it took me a long time to figure this out, but it's really cool. And it changes on the new moon. It's, not, it's the lunar calendar, the, the traditional, you're a farmer, it's the traditional agricultural calendar, the traditional Chinese calendar instead of the solar calendar. So we switch on the new moon, which is just, sorry, I'm going on and on. It's so cool. I'm so excited. So we're <laughs> in the dragon moon and it's, it makes sense, right? As a farmer, like this is the dragon energy, the rising of spring, the, 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 the right when you went, like, I don't know if you got, you got nettles all over the place. Like oh, I've yeah. just been harvesting nettles yep. and just watching the nettles go it's like it's the dragon energy. It's mm -hmm. so cool. So, so I've been all over the place. <laughs> wow, Sabina, you are so weird, and I love. I know, that. I love it. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start with all this stuff you've been doing. So, let's back up. I want to talk about the Imperial Tutor, but let's back up to the books. You mentioned the Yangxing Sun Tzu Mao. That one you just translated. Is that correct? Or you were? No, I, I, I stopped halfway through the gynecology project then i went into the yangxing and i stopped about two-thirds through because then you mentioned the fuxing jie is that yeah did you do yes. that that's the one you just finished yes okay and what does that translate as celestial didn't you say celestial something hold on i got it it's it's a real mouthful so the book oh. title is called <laughs> celestial secrets okay a Dunhuang manuscript of medicinal decoctions for the Zhangfu organs. 
Okay. And the literal translation of the title is Secret Tips for Helpful Action. The key to using medicinals on the Zhangfu organs. Nice. And it sounds really innocent because for us, using medicinals on the using formulas to address a certain organ is kind of it it's not that that innovative right but in medieval china like there this was this was brand new this idea that you could supplement and drain specific organs with formulas directed connecting formula literature to the theories of the liu jing the six whatever channels confirmation syndromes whatever you want to call them yeah and to the five phases elements organs all of that that wasn't around in the han dynasty so it's actually a really cool text how did you come across this well i kept running across the tangia jing this decoction classic okay and and just little traces in English, and it was not published anywhere, and it was just some people teaching it in private seminars. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because it doesn't fit with what I know about Han Dynasty. And this clearly seemed really relevant to my clinical colleagues who brought, who kept bringing it up. So I just started digging into it. And then I found it in a collection of medical manuscripts that were discovered in a cave in Dunhuang in the early 1900s. Hmm. So I found it in one of my giant Chinese texts. Yeah. It's a long, it's a long story. It's a really cool story. What is the Tangye Jiang controversy you keep talking of, speaking of? It's just that, that people claim that the Fuxingzhu is identical with the Tangye Jing, which it's not. It's a medieval text. And it does mention the Tangye Jing, but it's not. And the there was the, it, there is no historical proof that there ever was a single text called the Tangye Jing, and there is no historical proof that Zhang Zhongjing based his teachings on a Tangye Jing. And then there is no proof that the Tangye Jing is actually identical with the Fuxingzhu. Well, I could definitely see a global controversy around this. <laughs> <laughs> started <laughs> i've been teaching like all day seminars on this topic I, I, yeah, and i've got a 150 tell. page introduction in my book so if you really want to know i do spell it out in the book but it's really nerdy oh uh, well it's it's so cool that you have such a passion for this stuff and i want to talk <laughs> i want to talk more about your translations in your books because they've they've impacted me but um before we go there I'm going to hear more about Imperial Tutor. First, I will say when I checked out the site, it's beautiful. You've done such a good job. It's so inviting, and I hope people are finding it and that it's taking off. Is it? Are are you? Are things great with it? I, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with it, and and it's really changed. And you know, it's taken me a year to get comfortable. I don't know if you remember, I don't think you ever tried to rope me into getting when I came to teach at Pacific Rim. This was before people were really recording lectures. And I've always been somebody who loves person to person interaction. Yeah. So I was not comfortable with teaching online. Mm. It just wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a year and I just 
last week did the very first formal lecture as part of Imperial Tutor. So it's really new and it just evolved from these casual tea time talks where I was really like you, I, you know, you're interviewing me and I was interviewing the other people and I just was asking questions, but I was really featuring my, my, my famous friends. And so it's taken me a year to go from that to actually, and it was feedback from the Imperial Tutor members. They were like, no, Sabina, we, we want to know about medical history. And I'm like, what, really? Like, <laughs> you know, um, I, I always think that the medical history part is something that you kind of have to force clinicians to listen to. But I think things have really changed where, where there are enough people now who are interested in the classical, historical, the cultural roots of Chinese medicine. I mean, maybe part of that is our whole conversation the, this past year about honoring cultural origins of traditions in a more authentic way. But, but it just seems like things have switched where, where I know have this group of people who, who really want me to, they really want to listen to an hour and a half. I just did a lecture on the Taoist roots of the Fuxingzhe where nice. we talked about the religious Taoist roots of this text and, and people loved it. I'm like, really? You want to listen <laughs> to me talk about religious Taoism and visualization meditation and flying immortals? And they're like, yeah, 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 please. <laughs> so it's been great. So who are the typical members of this? Can anyone join or are these select people that you've invited? No, no, no. It's just, and I'm really trying to keep it, um, to keep it kind of grounded in in because my my books are really specialized i feel like you know my gynecology books the pediatric books you have to be a skilled herbalist to you have to be an advanced practitioner not so much i mean every book i try i i i tr that i write i try and 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 not <clears throat> make it i i'm making my offerings less and less of an elitist specialized situation, I hope. And mm -hmm. I think also the profession, herbal medicine has been really developing in the last 10 years or 20 years to where people are not just using a couple of patent medicines, but there are now a lot of teachers out there teaching about, you know, individual herbs and about formulas. So, so we're at this place where, where what I have to contribute to the profession is becoming more interesting or more relevant to a there are there are a larger larger and larger numbers of chinese medicine practitioners who practice prescribing formulas and modifying formulas in a way that the information in the classics is mm -hmm. relevant does that make sense do you yeah. see that uh, well, I, i'm so immersed in it i don't know it's I, I see our school continue to gain in popularity and enrollment increase. So maybe that's an indication. And now our online studies, our online programs, people are wanting more and more. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's what the trend is necessarily, but I do see more and more people who want to have the knowledge of resiliency when it comes to health and medicine. And I think turning to the classics and turning to the 
principles that have been tried and tested for some cases thousands of years, I think that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. And you can't just do it with needles. No. Like, you know, when you're talking about resiliency, it's really herbs mm-hmm. are, are, they're plants. They're, yeah. <laughs> We're talking farmer to farmer. We get it, right? <laughs> it just makes sense that you include herbs in that. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to, the, the imperial tutor is really a way of, of, I'm giving people bite-sight stuff. I've mm-hmm. learned that, you know, who is going to sit down and read a 400-page book? Yeah, oh, depends on the topic, like Harry Potter or something, no problem. But Right, right, <laughs> right. I'm not writing novels yet. Someday, someday. So, you know, doing an hour and a half, an hour and a half lecture appeals to people in a really different way yeah and then i'm giving people i'm sending people a scroll in the mail um every week and one the first week it's a translation from the yellow emperor's classic because part of it is nobody is going to sit down and read the huangdi neijing in a sitting and really the best translation out there i hate to say it is i think by far and white, the most accurate translation is Unschuld. And mm-hmm. you just can't sit there and, and read it and enjoy it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just too dry. It's, you know, it's not yep. written for that. And I don't think the Neijing was ever written to be taken in as an entire book. It's a compilation. Um, mm-hmm. so, so my idea is I sent my members a a little weekly file and it's something that you can sit down and read for 10 20 minutes and it will inspire you and and get you thinking and then you think about it for the week so one week you get the yellow emperor's classic the next week you get something from sun Miao. but it's not you know a 500 page book but it's just like a little file and then you get something else maybe on self-cultivation or or some cool story or, or 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 something else related to whatever the history lecture is so these bite size bite size i love it things yep and so to clarify anyone can join yeah and okay. it's not even Great. just medical practitioners i've okay. got i've got people who are just into western medicine there are people who are historians there are people who are just qigong practitioners some of my most most excited people are actually not even clinical people mm-hmm. so it's it's really fun and it's <laughs> it's my attempt to create a little bit of a community mm-hmm. oh, that's really the vision of it it looks great i'm so excited for you i can certainly tell you're excited so i'm, I'm super i mean the, the, <laughs> the technology is 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 super challenging and i have slept yeah. very little in the last three months to put it together Well, it's amazing the opportunities that people are creating through this. I actually am just getting ready to publish Stuart Alvey Olson. I have an interview with him, and he has a place called the Sanctuary of Dow. And it's always been an on-site place in Arizona. And now this past year, he's been able to shift online, and he has a mentorship program with people from around the world. And he's loving it. And it's very similar. He's like, I just get to go online and talk to people. And connect one-on-one and it's so much different from him than being in a group setting where he's got to connect to 30 or 50 people 
when he's in an online setting, he can actually at times narrow it down to have these one-on-one conversations with people and just chat and he loves it. And it's, yeah, it sounds very similar to what you're doing. And so many opportunities have come from the strangeness that has happened in the past year and a bit. Yeah, I also created a advanced classical Chinese class, which I, I could have never done this in person. Like I have, and, and I capped it at 20 people, you know, because the expenses are not very big. So I've got 20 people from around the world that are translators that are, they're, they're people who've lived in China. They're some of the really leading people in our profession. And we're getting together from, we have a bunch of, like maybe a third of the people are in Europe, people on the East Coast, people on the West Coast. And we get together every week and do totally advanced high level classical Chinese grammar. I mean, it's, so cool. it's so, <laughs> it's so cool. It's like my absolute dream to, to teach people who've lived in China for years, who have doctorate degrees from China, and they're coming to me to learn about really, really high level complex classical Chinese grammar so that they, so that then we could continue reading like as a group going forward. Yeah. A really advanced level thing. And you could never gather that kind of, Mm -hmm. these kinds of people, we're all busy you could never gather us in a physical room. So yeah, I guess I hate to admit it, but but I'm I do appreciate the technology. You get to stay on your island with your goats and still connect with people. Yeah. Well, I want to share a bit of kind of story, personal story about impact that you've had on me. I don't remember when you were here last. I don't many, many years. You know I, what? It was the it was the week when Donald Trump got elected. Okay, that's right. You remember? That. I will. I no. I will never forget because you dropped me off at the airport, and everybody looked like every every all the people who were going on the flight to the US looked like death. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, and and there were like five ten messages from my daughter, and I hadn't checked my cell phone. And, and I, I think I didn't even have a working cell phone connection until I, because I was in Canada, right. until I got to the airport and had Wi-Fi or something. And, and she was in, she was completely flipped out mm. and I will never forget that. So yeah. I remember it was November cause we, I, I wrote a journal entry about harvesting a pomegranate in November because we had one pomegranate tree in our hoop house and it produced a single pomegranate. And I don't know if you remember, but we went down with my kids and we harvested that pomegranate. And <laughs> it's the only one in the last eight years that has actually ripened to the point where we could eat it. But the other thing I remember <laughs> is you left me a bunch of books. And it's interesting that you talk about how people are now gaining more interest in the classics because I fully admit I didn't have any interest in the classics then. And you left me four or five books and (laughs) what a nice gift. And I put them on my shelf and I thought they look great with my other Chinese medicine books and that's where they stayed. But I've really become deeply interested in the classics and I was looking at what you gave me and two of them so amazing. One is Let the Radiant Yang Shine Forth, Lectures on Virtue by Liu Yosheng that you translated. I love it. And then the other is 12 Characters, a transmission of Wang Feng Yi's teachings. So thank you so much for both of those. And I want... I, I you hope read you... them, really? Oh, I love them. Yeah. Really? They're, they're awesome. 
And I just, I'm. Those re- are like the two weirdest books I've written. Oh, wow. I told you, I like weird. I love the concept of virtue, and I keep talking about this with guests, so my listeners might be dwindling because they're tired of hearing me talk about it. But I love the concept of virtue and Taoism, and in both of these books, lectures on virtue and Wang Feng Yi's teachings, they are very much about cultivating inner virtue so that we can live healthier lives and live more authentic lives. The concept of the Jun-run, the, the true person, the genuine person. I think it's fantastic. And I just, I want to jam on these books a little bit if that's all right with you. I'm so grateful. Like, <laughs> I don't want to bring that up because that's such a weird corner of what I do. But when I was exposed to Wang Feng Yi's teachings, it was a 10-day silent retreat and it completely changed my life. It's it's so simple and it's so powerful. So give us the premise of Wang Feng Yi's teaching, if you. I'm just so mind. happy that you picked up on that. Oh well, thank you for depositing it in my life on my bookshelf. And you know, I think it's it's really important as a parent. Like to me, it's really I I, I feel like Wang Feng Yi's teachings have completely changed the way. It's all about honoring your parents. Mm-hmm honoring your lineage, your ancestors, that is the, 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 it is about virtue and it is about virtue healing. And really the core of Wang Feng Yi is that true healing starts with looking in the mirror, do not blame, cultivating virtue in yourself. And, and I think it's so, it's so weird while we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is an external pathological factor it's like so the opposite of this view of virtue healing and at the same time it is so it is so incredibly relevant i think to where we're at right now it's and i've been trying to get together uh, to to throw together a a wang fengi retreat for the past year because i just feel like oh my god we need it and i just can't wrap my head around how to do it online online. but i'm working on it i'm working on it i think i have a i have a student who is so desperate to get it because she has a little baby and she really, really wants, she's read the books and she's hired me privately and it's not enough. And she really wants to do the silent retreat. So she's organizing it. And we're, we're, hmm. we're talking right now about doing it in Mexico. Nice. Mexico is well, calling. The beach yeah. is calling. <laughs> well, and I have to admit, when I talked to Heiner, interviewed Heiner several months ago, he was talking a bit about Wong Feng Yi and had a few stories. And really it was I, part of it was lost on me because I hadn't read these books yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so once I started to read these, I was like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Now I see where he was going with this. And uh, yeah, I find that they're both, both the books that you left me are so interesting. And what I love about Wong Feng Yi's teachings is that it doesn't involve the use of any external medicines at all. It's basically, as you said, just looking in the mirror and finding where we are basically blaming others or being victims or not being the true person, the true human, the genuine human, and how that is causing us to actually develop literally illness internally. And the stories in these books are amazing of the healing experiences that people have had, but of vomiting for 
all this gruesome stuff in them just from having an awareness of, oh my gosh, yeah, I have not been good to this person or I've, I've done wrong there. I think it's so yeah. cool. It's, it's, I, I love when I come across material in the, in these texts that, you know, a lot of the material, and it's kind of the same with gynecology, pediatrics, the Yang Xing stuff, the Wang Fengyi stuff. There's just a lot of really simple stuff that, that, and I, and I hope that I can drag up the simple stuff and that you guys as clinicians or your listeners can, can teach that. I, I think Chinese medicine practitioners, yes, you prescribe herbs and you stick needles into people. But to me, just as importantly, you, all of us are educators. And as th in that role, we can, we can have a much bigger impact than it's, it's like the pebble in the water where, where every, you know, people come to a Chinese medicine practitioner because they have suffering and you can help them make sense of that suffering and turn it around. And, and there's a huge authority and a huge responsibility in that role of being a true doctor in that really big sense. And it's so much bigger than just sticking a needle into somebody and prescribing them herbs as powerful as that is and as powerful as it is to and I don't want to make light of physical pain but but there is there's there there's a much bigger conversation that people can have in that an impact that people can have yeah. in their role as physicians well and teachers and the herbs and the needles can be part of the cathartic experience but it's also a fairly passive experience for the patient, right? It's yeah. if the patient is not doing the inner alchemy, the internal work, then we may end up needing acupuncture and herbs for the rest of our lives. Whereas if we actually do the internal reflection, and as you mentioned with Wang Feng Yi, it's all about the concept of, of shower, treating the family with reverence. And I can't, count how many people who I've worked with who have some sort of rift or wound or trauma between them and their parents or someone yeah. in their family. And as Wang Feng Yi says, basically, it's like we have these living Buddhas at home who are our yeah. parents because that's the ultimate work. If we can be with our parents or our caretakers and be in a place of inner peace and ease, and that's something that's felt among everyone, then we've, we've basically been able to generate uh, this concept of Xiao. We've been able to demonstrate this unconditional love for our ancestors and our parents and our relatives. But if we can't do that, and if we're not honest about that, to recognize, okay, when I'm with my dad, I kind of get this little bit of angst, or when I'm with my mom, I get triggered a little bit, so often we just kind of ignore that and go, oh, that's just just part of the yeah. relationship, part of the dynamic. But what so many people are failing to see is that dynamic has radical health implications, especially when you continue for years and decades with that dynamic. And then maybe you lose a parent and you never have a chance to mm -hmm. heal that wound. And that becomes even harder. And so with the teachings of Wang Feng Yi and... Liu Yosheng, it's about addressing those issues and taking full responsibility. And yeah, 
I yeah. love that. And that's why these people are having such purgative healing responses because they're r- literally getting rid of this like rancid bile that's within them that's accumulated from these toxic relationships. And I was part of a retreat where we were doing that. Yeah. And we were all we were all vomiting and having, you know, menstrual periods and having our bodies fall apart. And we were going, we were, I, I got to experience it in my own body. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) No, it was, it was so deep. And the reason we were able to do it is we had Heiner translating and we had Dr. Leo Lihong was the one really presenting, really, he was the teacher. Okay. And Leo Lihong, I have the biggest, biggest respect and love for him as a teacher in that role. And then the other person who was there in this retreat as a mostly silent presence sitting in the corner of the room was Abbot Ming Chan. And I haven't been around too many enlightened people. I haven't had that blessing very much in my life, but Abbot Ming Chan, his just being present in the, like that, that loving kindness presence by like, that's the other piece of, of, of Buddhism. And I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a formal Buddhist or anything, but that, that piece of, you know, Buddhists specialize in suffering. And it's actually, I was listening to a um, podcast last night while cooking, and it was um, somebody interviewing um, a Native American poet, Leilani something. Oh, God, I'm sorry. This is terrible. And she was talking about, she was quoting another poet and it was about the u.s government apologizing writing a this is like way out of (laughs) i'm going off but it it just it was like boom she's and it's about apology the power the power of leilani wrote this she wrote a book i think it's called whereas a power maybe maybe people can figure maybe people can find it what's it called i think it's called whereas She's Lakota and she lives in Santa Fe. And I have to admit, I'd never heard of her before. And it was, a, it was her response to the United States government about five years ago, issuing a formal apology to all Native Americans. And they did it. They tucked it into a defense appropriation bill and nobody really heard about it. Oh. And it was this, and she's, so calling it's... them on it how what is what does apology mean oh it was a krista tippett was the podcast okay. and it's Laylee long Laylee long long okay uh, actually a... no sorry Laylee long soldier is her full long name. So- yes that's right <clears throat> thank you okay. you're welcome and she was talking about, and and it just like it just resonated with the wang fangi thing because it was an apology on paper and the apology from the U.S. government was all about where is this, where is that, where is that, and it was very formal, and it was never spoken in person. And right. what she was saying, the piece that was missing, was for obviously for the native peoples, the 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 the, the acknowledgement of of wrongs being done, the sincerity, and for the white people, what is missing is we don't want shame, we don't want guilt, but it's a 
the freedom from denial. Hmm. And I just, just when you were talking about this, I, th- to me, that was like, boom, that is such a big deal. When you're talking, of, so many of us are in denial of, like, I used to call my parents every week. I'm a very proper traditional German, and I'm also a person with, you know, traditional Chinese culture and philosophy in my head. So I'm very, I'm a very good filial daughter on the surface. But have I really made peace with, with with my dad in that in that totally open-hearted way and the answer was absolutely no and mm. the Wang Fengyi retreat just brought it out in the open and it's and it forced me to to really deal with it and the first thing we all did when we got out of this silent retreat was we called our parents and yes really apologized and my parents are like this is so weird you know, nobody in my I'm, I'm german nobody ever says i love you to your parents and what are you apologizing for you know because it's 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 not a reciprocal this open-hearted thing but it's not about how they're responding it's about and and to me the freedom the freedom from denial is exactly what it is it's like for me to step up and deal with this regardless of it's it's and it is unconditional love regardless of what comes back it's so big and powerful and it is so incredibly healing on a physical mental spiritual cosmic level it just it just Mm. like a tidal wave and it's so simple and it really starts with this little piece of each of us in the morning, just thinking about, you know, or, and you're, and the other thing is once you do it to your parents, it goes to your children because you don't, you may not know this yet. You think your kids, your kids are a lot younger than my, my daughter is 22. Your kids will not do what you tell them. You can teach to them all day long. They will follow what you what you do, what you right. demonstrate in your actions. Well, it's such interesting timing for me to hear that story too. And well, one thing you said and is... you guys are such great parents. I just have to say <laughs> that I was, <laughs> I you. got the privilege of spending a couple of days with you and I Thank loved you. your kids and your whole family scene. It just felt really wonderful. One thing you said is that it's not enough just to think it either. Because duh, the virtue in the Tao Te Ching is duh is action, and so if you just think, yeah, okay, yeah. I haven't been the best daughter, I haven't been the best son, and you don't take that next step of calling up your parents and apologizing and owning up to it, well, then it's it's not going to be nearly as healing than just having that recognition of yeah, I've not been the best. But the story really resonates with me because earlier this morning I was reading. And let the radiant yang shine forth, a very similar story of a woman who, from the outside, everyone in her village thought she demonstrated Xiao, the family reverence, amazingly, and no one had ever considered anything other than that. But when she got sick and she went to get help and she had to look in the mirror, she started to realize that it was kind of a false Xiao. She didn't really mean it genuinely. She was just doing it because that's what was expected of a daughter to do. And so once she realized that and she then apologized to her parents and her in-laws, 
and she was able to actually heal and regain her health, and it really changed her entire relationship moving forward with her parents. And this was an adult woman who had spent many, many years with this false sense of reverence for her family. Yeah, 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 that makes that makes perfect sense to me personally, yeah. And there's a certain self-righteousness with, oh, I'm a, I'm a good daughter, I'm a good wife, I'm a good, you know, yeah. mother. And really looking in the mirror and yeah. really digging in. And you're absolutely right. Your Buddhas are living in your family. And the other thing I love about Wang Feng Yi, and this is something that Heiner spoke of at length, was uh, Bu Yuan Ren, blame nobody. And that's something Wang Feng Yi really tries to get across. It's nobody else's fault. And if you don't take 100% accountability, then you are living under the tyranny of denial. You're not free from denial because you're truly denying your role in all of these situations. And so... And and it's more, it's even more than that. Like the do not blame. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. You're, you're like getting me started on, whoa. But it's, it's so big because I have really crazy stars and really crazy karma and crazy things happen to me. And if I'm going with, or half, supposedly my middle age, it's all nice and smooth. And I'm, I'm pretty much there now. Um, but if you, things happen to each of us that are just not fair. And if you get hung up on, and I have a very strong sense of righteousness. That's the, 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 the lung, you know, the virtue of the sense of right, right and wrong, the justice. I, I have that sense. And if you get stuck in that sense of this is wrong, and, and, and I certainly do, you, you miss the lesson. You, there is a karmic lesson in whatever happens to you. And it doesn't matter what the other, wh whether what the other person did was right or wrong. It's completely irrelevant. It, like, it doesn't matter who your parents are. It's your job. To sh and of course, you have to protect yourself and not put yourself in harm's way. And if there's an abusive relationship, you have to get out of it. Absolutely. Um, so there is a piece where you have to be realistic and you have to eat develop and cultivate that sense of right and wrong and make take action in response to right and wrong but it doesn't mean that you can't like you got to get beyond the victim thing and look at this happened to me for whatever karmic reason and what is my lesson in this and if you don't do that you may get out of the situation and clean up the situation, but you're just going to get the same lesson again and again and again. You know, you, 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 you had your dad and then you, like they say, you marry your dad, you get the same, you get the same lesson until you get it. And I still yeah. get the same lesson. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I'm, I'm wallowing in it right now, right now. And, and, and seeing, embracing the lesson takes so much of the emotional charge out of it and it doesn't matter how the other person responds but it allows me to do my piece in healing it opens the door to healing between two parties when you as long as you blame the other person there's whether we're talking about race relations whether we're talking about parent relations um a conflict with a neighbor 
a conflict with a partner. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Professional things. When you, you, you have, and this is the trick, you have to acknowledge what's wrong and you have to take actions to make things right. But at the same time, you have to look at, regardless of what's right or wrong, you know, you have to look at why this happened to you and what you can learn from it and how you respond, how you got emotionally riled up or, or, or where yeah. you went off track. I couldn't agree more. And it's this concept of taking radical accountability that I think people avoid because they feel that it's it's too limiting and restrictive to take accountability because I was wrong. Something happened to me. I'm not going to take accountability. But in actually taking accountability, as you just said, for your karmic path or whatever it may be, for putting yourself in that position, even if the other person was out of integrity to do what they did to you, by taking full accountability, it actually sets you free. It's liberating because now you actually are in control of the healing process as opposed yeah. to being passive and waiting for the other person or the other party to make amends, to rectify it, because that may never happen. And if it doesn't happen, then you never have healing until you realize, oh, wait a minute. I can take full control of this situation and I can heal regardless yeah. of what the yeah. other person does. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing and it's so empowering. And it's so simple, right? It is. It is. It's, and we get to practice every, like you got little kids. You get to practice every day. <laughs> <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> but as you said, it, these are lessons that until we learn them, will keep being presented to us and so for anyone who finds themselves in the <laughs> same broken relationship after relationship and nothing ever seems to change maybe it's time to look in the mirror because if the same situation keeps coming up with different people well the only thing that's consistent is you and by taking by acknowledging that and taking full responsibility the freedom awaits it's incredible it is. It, that's why I love that freedom from denial. Like that was yes. such a beautiful phrase. And it came from a Native American context. Like, and I hate to do this, like throwing in other traditions and everything. But it was just, it was so relevant to what you, right. what you were saying. And the other thing I think is really important too is doing things for the right reasons. And if you're doing things to alleviate your guilt or shame, mm. that is, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a negative impetus, which is going to leave behind a negative energetic imprint. No matter how positive the actual act is, if you're doing yes. it for negative reasons to avoid something, it's going to have a negative outcome. And so I, and I, to me, that yes. comes back to the concept of the Jun Run, the genuine person. You're not in your integrity if you're making steps to basically give a, a false sense of appeasement if you're just doing it to alleviate your guilt or shame that's not the authentic integrity coming forth that's basically running from something and trying to do something that has a positive spin but you're doing it for all the wrong reasons does yeah. that make sense that makes perfect sense and another piece that that we should bring in here which which i think 
you were it re, it, it it was shining through what you were saying is that the do not blame it also and this is a piece that is not so much spelled out in these books and i don't know if you picked up on this and i just want anybody who reads these books be careful do not blame it in i mean the chinese says bu yuan ren and ren classically means humans but it mm-hmm. it it can also mean others but when we teach or when we as westerners process this material it's really important to include there that we don't blame ourselves mm. and this is a piece that the chinese teachers of wang fengyi and wang fengyi himself they didn't go into this very much because i think it's a judeo christian guilt thing mm. it's part of our western heritage that we go especially as women we go into self blame right easily with with the teachings so that's just it's one way in which the wang fengyi teachings can take a spin a particular western spin that's really dangerous and that's really i've seen people just yeah. go down the wrong path so for those of you listeners just be really clear that that includes do not blame yourself blame like you just said it's toxic yeah any negative just watch out for toxicity yeah well and there's a very clear distinction between blaming yourself and taking full accountability one is negative and very limiting it's the victim mode and taking full accountability is very positive and it's the freedom mode i love and- that yeah and so it's although on the outside someone is like, oh, it's the same thing. You're taking accountability. You're blaming yourself because you did something foolish. No, taking accountability is recognizing I did something foolish, and now I'm learning from it, and I'm moving forward with the benefit of having had that experience, as opposed to yeah. blaming myself and getting stuck in that victim place where healing's not going to come. It just doesn't. And it's- and it's. According to the Wang Fengyi system, it's physical toxins. Yes. Like, did that make sense to you as a as a um, clinical person? That that this this idea that these negative emotions really create talk to- physical toxins. Physical. Well, everything's chemical, right? It's all biochemical. We can't have a feeling without having a chemical reaction that generates that. Yeah. And so, yeah, the more we feel something negative, then the more toxic we're going to be physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last thing is just this image of the, the human nature. And this is the Xing. And this takes us back to Sun Tzu Miao, because Sun Tzu Miao talks about nurturing that Xing, the heavenly or human, the inner nature. And for Wang Fengyi, one of his big visions is this, this heavenly nature, which is like the mountain and Liu Lihong would teach us and we were we were at this buddhist retreat place and it had these huge windows and we would look and there was it it was mount i was one of the volcanoes one of the i'm not going to be able to help you i'm sorry i'm so bad (laughs) with geography it's the big giant volcano if you drive from portland to seattle it's it's right there are we talking about shasta Nope, nope, that's further south. You're even worse at geography, but well, it's a foreign country for you. Baker? <laughs> I shouldn't know. Is it Baker? Is it Baker, Baker. It could be Mount Baker. Or, or Rainier. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm sorry. Or I don't think is it's it Mount St. Helens? 
it's i think it's it's you're good I think how many mountains do i have to name here <laughs> no i think it's in helens i really should i'm so bad i'm sorry well saying helens is, I, the, is the one that erupted back in the 80s i think that's the one okay Anyway, it's this huge, I forget what we were talking about. Go ahead. Volcano. So we were sitting in this hall um, in a 10-day silent retreat. Dr. Liu Hong, Liu Li Hong is lecturing with Heiner translating, Abbot Mingchan in the corner. And we're all facing these huge picture windows. And there's, I think it's Mount St. Helens, this huge volcano um, that is sometimes visible and sometimes, and it is covered with snow on top because it's a it's a big mountain. And sometimes it's covered by clouds. And Liu Lihong is talking about the heavenly nature being like the mountain that is in us, and we just can't see it because the it's it's covered by clouds of the habits and the habits that we're forming. Yes. And I think that image, it, and that's where the let the radiant yang shine forth. Yeah. Like the radiance of the the power of of this healing process, the positivity positivity that it's just like that that the power of the sun. Like in my case, it's the marine layer where in the morning it's it's everything is just gray and gloomy and 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 whoo, the sun blows the clouds away and yeah, there's what? the glorious ocean. I love the Taoist concept of living through the spontaneity of the heart rather than in the mundanity of the habituation because we're so, mm. we're mm. creatures of habit and we, through that habit, we will continue to respond in a very similar fashion to the same triggers or catalysts. And again, not learn from those because we're just used to deflecting or used to whatever that habit may be, as opposed to living through that spontaneity of the intuition or of the heart and being in the moment and responding in a way that's true to us. There's the healing. It's, it's in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is so cool. Spontan I know, I know. I can't believe you're as weird as me. I can't believe you're open to <laughs> and I mean this is you know, this is a weird conversation to be having. Well, I don't know. Two I... Chinese medicine people, but virtue healing is yeah. hard. It's and that's why I love that's why I got into the Sun Smiao piece, which is way out there. And it's really, really challenging to translate. It's it's really it's gonna take me another six months to finish it. Mm -hmm. But it is about the power of Yangsheng, nurturing life is really bigger. It's about nurturing this inner nature. And it is about becoming a genren, a genuine, sincere, perfected person. That yeah. is the real core and inspiration for traditional. If you're talking traditional Chinese medicine, that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, that's why I said the classics have become so important to me lately. And, and I've had similar conversations. We're not that weird. I've had similar conversations with Lonnie Jarrett. And of course, Nourishing Destiny yeah. is all about this. And with Heiner and Zev. And these are such <laughs> relevant and important <laughs> concepts. because, Dear Todd, I hate to tell you this, but we're really weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's fine. Just, I embrace the weird. Connected. It's fine. We're did just I, connected, but we are Did weird. I just name a list of weird people? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And, and to me, that's a total weird as compliment. a compliment. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully embracing that label. But if you're trying to talk to your more normal neighbor about this... <laughs> I don't know. I have these conversations a lot lately. So That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, to me, it's like the pandemic has kind of given me liberty. Like, I don't want to waste time. We live in this, we live in, like, what's happened in the last year, there's been this huge change. Like, people are really asking relevant questions. There's a great opportunity for growth here. And I'm just going to go with it and embrace my weirdness and, and yeah, and I'm going to have these conversations and I don't really care what the rest of the world thinks about us. <laughs> and it's great. You're on the same path. <laughs> That's awesome. How did you get on this path? Take us way back. When did Chinese <laughs> language, Chinese medicine, Chinese philosophy, how did that come into your life as someone who grew up in Germany? Um, going way back, I come from a family where everybody's doctors, my parents, my grand, both of my grandparents, my, on my dad's side, my grandmother was one of the first female pediatricians in Germany. Um, my, my sister, my uncles and aunts, my nieces and nephews, everybody, they're all doctors. So when I was 18, I was in, I was the rebel and the black sheep. And I was like, I'm doing something where my dad doesn't know any, my dad can't tell me, you know, as a doctor, you have to have the authority thing. And I was just like, I'm done. Other people telling me they know everything. So I went to Taiwan and studied Chinese <laughs> so that I would know something that my dad doesn't know. And, um, and why Chinese? Why did you decide to go to Taiwan to study Chinese? It couldn't have been just to learn something that your dad doesn't know. Well, that was part of it. Part of it was that I'm short and I wanted to be in a country where I was actually average height. No, no, that's what I tell people as a non-answer. Um, I've always been into philosophy, I guess. And, and I loved Latin and Greek in high school. So I tried that for a little bit. And um, I think I took like two classes and it's all been, tra or a lot of it has been translated and it's kind of stodgy and I was in Bavaria. It was like, no, this is not a good match. Um, I think Taoism got me excited like everybody else. How and then it, it was an excuse to go to Taiwan. I was 18 and I just packed my bags and left Bavaria. And I got to go to a country where nobody defined me in any way. I was a Westerner and I lived in Taipei for a little bit and then I moved to Taichung and they weren't used to to foreigners at the time and they were not and as a woman it was safe and I was free to completely define myself for who I was as a blank slate which I think is 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 such a gift for a young person you know when I think about my daughter um, and she, I really wanted her to go abroad this past year she just graduated from college and she was not able to do so. And I think she really missed out and I'm hoping she gets to do it this year. But when we go to college, there's certain, you just fall into, it's, it's about the patterns, the habitual patterns. 
and moving to Taiwan allowed me to just, you know, I got a motorcycle. I, I, I started selling tie dyes at this <laughs> where I, I just went from being this really conservative, proper Catholic girl in a little town in Bavaria to traveling, going to Thailand, you know, riding elephants in Thailand and just, just, just having a blast. I had so much fun. I love Taiwan. How long were you in Taiwan? I was there for almost two years, and I still feel like it's, 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 yeah. I, it, I still dream of going back and moving back there, except it's just so populated. Yeah. Was that your first exposure to the Chinese language? Like formally? I did, I did. I think I did six months in Germany okay. before I went to Taiwan. And then, yeah, I just had such a blast there. And then while I was there, I applied. I had, I got an, I hate to say this, I got an American boyfriend who I was deeply in love with. So, so I applied for a scholarship to go to America to, because I was like, well, I've got this American boyfriend, so I better move to America. And I ended up in Arizona and he was in Minnesota. So we totally split up, <laughs> but it got me to Tucson. And it got me um, to grad to undergraduate, and then somehow I just got into graduate school. I just kept going. They hired me to be a teaching assistant, and then I got to work with Don Harper, who translated the Ma Wangdui medical manuscripts. Okay. He wrote that book about early Chinese medicine, and he was a great advisor. So I was. It was really about early Chinese thought, and I was really interested in Buddhism. So. I took a lot of classes in Buddhism, but my main professor in Buddhism, Rob Jamello, I wanted to do medicine and Buddhism. And he was like, ah, Buddhism is not interested in the physical body and there's nothing there. So that was kind of a dead end. And then I, t I just happened to take a couple of classes in archeology span because I was hoping that it would get me to China to go to a dig because I just wanted to go to China. And that never happened. And the, and the archeology span professor, John Olson was really cool. He was covered in tattoos and you know, the archeologists were cool, but there was a medical anthropology professor, Mark Nichter. And I started taking classes with him in ethnomedicine. And he had, he had me in his class and he's like, oh my God, Sabina, you can read these texts from 1,000, 1,500 years ago. This is so cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can read the text. So it was the combination <laughs> of one professor telling, teaching me the texts and the cultural context. And, you know, the medical anthropology people teaching me what questions to ask. And to look at what does this text say? So then it was like, well, I was giving birth to my daughter and I realized that childbirth is the biggest event in a woman's life. And it was like, well, okay, here's Sun Sumya's volume on gynecology. Let's look at culture through the lens of gynecology and pregnancy and cultivating the fetus and, and that aspect. And it really originally, I mean, it was, I came to medicine in this really roundabout way because I was not going to follow in my, it was all about rejecting your parents. Mm. I mean, really, it's so Wang Fangyi is, is, I have been rejecting my, I left Germany when I was 18 because my mom's family, they were big Nazis. I mean, it was, mm. it was that, that, that has shaped 
me. So I'm really big in, on studying the whole epigenetic intergenerational trauma, all of that. And the Wang Fengyi thing is sort of this simple traditional Chinese language, but it really matches with, it just was a really incredible fit for my personal experience of struggling with my being German and that lineage. And like my grandfather was a very famous German lawyer and general and he's a complete non-entity. And this is probably really weird. Well, maybe not to you, but me acknowledging the existence of my grandfather as the person who he was not denying. And I have had very vivid dreams that I think are my grandmother's and my mother's and horrific, horrific dreams about what he did but it's the freedom from denial. That is what is required for healing. And I can say this here because my mom would never know how to listen to your podcast, but <laughs> I could never have this conversation with my mom because she was a young child when they lost everything, when at the end of the second world war, when, you know, when, when my grandfather just disappeared and, and, you know, they were refugees. They, 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 who knows what, what, what happened when the Russians invaded and they are so, that generation's Germans, they are so traumatized. They were little kids. They can't process it. Yeah. So it's my generation that, that can do the healing and you can. I, I have had my mom go to the nursery with me and pick out a rose bush and I haven't told her what it's for. And I made her help me dig the hole. And that rose bush is in honor of, her father and i would not ever be able to tell her that hmm. but but that that healing that has come from that work is so profound and it has had immediate effects on my daughter but as you came to learn well that's what they were exposed to that's how they were raised and how could your mom be something different than that and so instead of blaming her, you've actually found a way, despite your differences in outlooks, to have complete love for her and reverence. And then you're able to not only help you heal, but to help her heal and to help oh, your daughter totally. heal. Multi-generational healing. And I can That's look so at cool. my mom and I can look at my parents and I can look like what, what really what the Wang Fengyi retreat did to me was I have a neighbor who is crazy on conspiracy theories and he will go on and on how about was it was antifa who stormed the capital and he is so angry and i can look at him and instead of being triggered by that all i see is somebody who is really afraid and who was really wounded and who did not get the love they needed as little kids which is why i'm so excited about you guys the way you were raising your kids and your kids being so happy and being held in that love. I just feel like all the craziness in the world that, you know, when you look at the way people are responding to this pandemic, how some people are really grounded and get philosophical and deep and weird. And other people are just, a lot of people are just flipping out. And it's all about, to me, so much of it is about the love that they received as children 
And of course, that's that's a done deal by the time you're an adult. But, it, you know, you can you can it's not a done deal. No. And that's the power of Wang Feng's message yeah. is really that that you can heal whatever when you get past the, the victim. I mean, maybe this yeah. is obvious. I don't know. But you on run. It's just so don't blame it's others. so simple. Yeah, it's so and it's so profound. That, that you just see everybody as doing the best they can and everybody's got the tools that they have. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, I mean, it's not spelled out in Sun Miao like this, but Sun Miao does talk about duh, this, this, this manifestation, like you said, in action of, of what virtue. it means to walk on the Tao. Mm-hmm. The power of virtue is and and it's so profound and i yeah i'm 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 loving the fact that we're having that you're open to having a conversation in the framework of chinese medicine about virtue because i think like our time really needs it right now yes yes well and it's it's literally written out in these texts that are in some cases thousands of years old it's it's just part of the Eastern culture, part of the the Taoist or the Buddhist way of being, is to cultivate virtue. Yeah, and then it's your challenge to figure out. And you, as a you, you still run the college, right? Yes. As an administrator, how do you in, do you incorporate this? No, you can't really, right? Oh, I can internally. Yes, certainly. And but a lot of it externally in well, the, in terms of the it it kind of comes back to the, the way you were sharing the experience with your mom is you came to her and to healing from a per, a different perspective, not one of blaming or to avoid something negative. You came into it from a place of understanding and empathy and love. And so that's something that I'm trying to cultivate more in my daily interactions, whether those are just email interactions or face-to-face, if I can do that work on myself internally, then the outcome I can't control, but at least I've set the, the energetic stage anyway for it to be more positive. I'm not blaming someone, or I'm trying not to. I'm trying to take full accountability for whatever situation it is. And I have been seeing how that has played out in ways that I can't then say to someone, oh, this happened because I did this. No, it's just something that I know internally that because I, mm-hmm. took, I took that stance of, of integrity and taking full responsibility and not blaming that the situation was able to resolve with a, probably a more positive outcome than it would have otherwise. And so it doesn't, I, I think anyone, well, of course, anyone can use that in any interaction in their life and even the interactions with ourselves it doesn't even have to be external interactions but taking that position of just love and understanding and compassion and also being patient with ourselves so many more beautiful outcomes will arise from that than what our default tends to be which is to blame to be victims to complain to try to alleviate our personal suffering rather than stepping into it and growing from it. These are just a few of my thoughts. Oh man, yeah. And I'm just <laughs> just, you know, while you're while you're saying this, I'm I'm 
I'm rubbing my, we're having this conversation for, for, there is no coincidence. I'm rubbing my, you're rubbing my nose in, in a situation that I've been having for the last two months where hmm. we always talk about things that we need to talk about because we fall short. And that's the, that's the trick with Wang Fengyi that, that those of us who take it seriously and we think about teaching it and every time we have a conversation about creating a retreat or teaching it, we're yeah. like, no, 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 I'm not ready because it just triggers another tidal wave of, of self-examination. And Well, and it's not a destination either. It's not as if we can just arrive and, oh, I'm finally yes. at this place and I don't have to work on it anymore. No, every interaction, every situation requires complete dedication to this philosophy or this way of being in order for us to be able to act it out with integrity otherwise it's so easy to fall back into whatever patterns may have predated now and so it's it's an ongoing effort and journey and dedication and it's it's like a relationship like every day you have to wake up and decide i want to be in this relationship and if you don't well, then you're not actually really in it, are you? And you're you're not only cheating yourself, but you're cheating the other person who's on the other end of that relationship because it's it's not just something, oh, this is my wife, we're married, we've, we've done that, you know, we're here, I don't have to work on it. No, no, it takes the dedication. It takes the commitment again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, I have it easy. I'm by, I've been by myself for the last year. Well, you still I mean, have relationships it, with your daughter and other I, people. Well, actually, my daughter, um, my daughter decided that she couldn't talk to me about a year ago. She needed to take a break um, because she's getting to know her dad. We divorced when she was a year and a half old hmm. and she wasn't very close to her dad. So um, I formerly my, the way my parents responded was by saying how what my daughter was doing was really terrible because my daughter and I are so close. We are ridiculously, we've, we've, we've gone through a lot together and we love each other and we are so similar and we're, it's just, it's been just the two of us for, for, for most of her life. So it was incredibly painful, especially when the pandemic hit, like it was pretty soon after the pandemic hit and in, and she moved to be, in the same town as her dad. And, and and of course I got triggered and my mom, my parents were like, this is horrible. This is, you know, this is her dad influencing her and blah, blah, blah. And she's abandoning you and what a bad daughter she is. And I can't believe she's doing this. And for a traditional German, it is terrible to not check in with your mother every few days. And, and, and for me, I was able to, I mean, it's been, it's been, a struggle and there have been times when I was angry and felt abandoned and it's like you know how can she leave me stuck on this island I'm only in America because of her and I'm far away from all my other family blah 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 poor me but then it's like how wonderful she's getting to know her dad she is getting the freedom from denial at the tender age of 22 she's doing the work at 22 that yes. I'm doing at 52 or I'm 53 now. I mean, it's, it's, I have so much respect for her. And I think because we're so close, she really has to separate herself. And this is totally natural. It's what I did when I was her age. 
And because of that, I was able to just completely take the charge out of it. And I've been practicing and it has not been easy. And it, trust me, it hasn't always been a positive thing, but unconditional love is a really, really hard thing to practice when you don't, when you get a dead end from the other side. I write her packages. I write her letters. I, I just, I just keep sending her love letters and I just keep, keep, I just keep my heart open. It's really, it's, unconditional love we think oh as a parent you have unconditional love for your parent for your kids right it's like you you do when they're little babies but having unconditional love and a closed door going at you is really it's great practice it's yeah. great practice well and you certainly just oh, find right. unconditional love if you if you love with the expectation of getting something in return, then there's conditions attached to it. And that's, that doesn't work. It's not unconditional. And so it's, it's a very different heart set and mindset to love someone in that way, no matter how they respond. And I've actually found that in some relationships with friends where I care more about them than I care about how they feel about me. And so it's allowed me to uh -huh, stay in my uh -huh. integrity and perhaps challenge them a bit in areas where uh, I, I feel that they need challenged. And if they end up hating me for it, so be it. Cause I'm doing it out of love. I'm doing it because yeah. I love them so dearly that I'm, I want to help. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, this thing, you just look in the mirror. It, it, it all comes back to just you're responsible for your way of being in the world. And I can say this to you and, and you know, I can sound all wise and, and enlightened and I'm so not there. I'm saying, I'm no. saying the things that I'm falling short in and that it, I have it all falls apart when we're not recording. Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, totally. And that's just part of it too. Falling apart and then picking ourselves back up, putting ourselves back together. And maybe reconfiguring the pieces when we do that, because otherwise we're just going to yeah, keep hopefully. falling apart. Ideally. Yeah. Ideally, you learn something every time you fall <laughs> apart. And, and, and part of it, I think what, what I've learned from the Wang Feng Yi thing, perhaps, or from this whole, I see, I don't know anymore. I'm, I'm. I always tell my students that it's so important when you are a teacher that you separate as a teacher. This is what classical Chinese medicine says, and this is what Sabina thinks it means. Like that's a really important skill to have and maintain. And we all blur that boundary as teachers all the time. And to a certain extent, that's okay. We're making whatever we're learning Anytime you transmit something to anybody else, that transmission changes. And I think that's just, that's just the reality and we have to be honest. And I think that people who tell you that they're transmitting ancient stuff without a filter, it, it's, we all have to be really careful and critical and we have to be aware and I try as an anthropologist, I, I, that it's part of what you learn, that, that training that you 
increase your awareness slowly. It's, it's, it's a skill that you have to cultivate to ask these questions. Um, and I think it's really relevant right now for, for any, because we have this huge flood of information coming at us with podcasts, videos, news, you know, websites, whether we're talking about politics, global warming, the pandemic, Chinese medicine, the miraculous action of a single medicinal. It's like how much is fact or not even what, what is fact? How much is that person's, how much is what, what they're claiming to transmit and how much is that person's experience and how much is that person's, what is expertise? And, and, and how much do I, because on the basis of being able to kind of discern what that person is saying, like, you know, our conversation, somebody is listening. Do they, how much do they trust you? Because you are, you, you run this great, they might've developed a um, relationship of trust with you because you run, they've listened to a bunch of your podcasts. You, you run a really good school with integrity. So they know you're a person of integrity. They don't know anything about me except that you introduced me and said that you value my work. You know, so how much of what I'm saying, this is Wang Fengyi's teaching, is Sabina just making it up? And I really want your listeners to always ask that in every conversation that they're having about Chinese medicine. And it doesn't mean if, if I'm making it up, it doesn't mean it, it's not useful, you know? But yeah. that's kind of my my struggle as a teacher that 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 we're all blurring this this boundary between I'm telling you what traditional Chinese gynecology is, and then am I am I just whitewashing it? Like I don't know if you remember if you remember the class that that I gave. I don't. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a long time ago, and one of the things that I always teach is that actually. Chinese traditional culture. I mean, yeah, it it depends on how you define misogyny, and you know, it comes from a traditional patriarchal, patrilineal, blah 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 culture. But to me, what really shines about traditional Chinese gynecology is not the fact that it comes from a culture that was patrilineal, but there is a concern with the female body and with reproduction and with with supporting a woman and really valuing the contributions of the female body in Yangsheng, in, in the role of the family, which is what I love about Wang Fengyi, but in the historical texts, you know, you can say it was just, she's just a vessel for bearing children. And I don't think that's true at all. That's not what I see in these texts. Um, how much of that is, is Sabina's interpretation? Because I'm I'm not a feminist, but I'm somebody who strongly believes that women need to be honored and 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 supported in their in their reproductive cycle and the burdens of childbearing and the importance of postpartum recovery and all of that. But then I give you you know the hard facts, which is in Sun Simiao, a third of his information on gynecology is about postpartum recovery. He goes on and on and on about the importance of postpartum recovery. So it's not just Sabina, it's actually 
I'm giving you the texts. Yeah. I don't well, know. I'm going off on a tangent here. And it's even Sun Simiao and Lao Tzu and Zhang Zhongjing, what they wrote down for us is also their perspective on the teachings that they received. So it's not like it ever began or ends. It's just an ongoing transmission and it's going to flux with the teller, with the listener, with the times, whatever it may be. As it should be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This has been so nice. Can you, before we sign off? Well, or, I want to ask, I want to ask sure. you, do, do, do we have a little more time? So, of course. since you brought up this virtue healing and you, you addressed my question on a personal level, which was beautiful and really important, but my challenge is as a administrator, you're in a really powerful position to shape the education of your students. Mm -hmm. um how if at all can you make room well i will right off the bat i will say that i really admire what heiner has done mm -hmm. and and the curriculum that he set up because he has done a lot of things that i wish i had done uh which in this case, embracing the classics, having more knowledge of the classics, and being able to then transmit this wonderful knowledge through the curriculum. Now, the challenge with Chinese medicine curriculum in a country where there are licensing standards is that we are given very strict criteria that we have to meet. Yep. And by the time that is met, the programs are already fairly long I know. by yeah. most standards. And so to then, I guess the, the challenge is they then find a way to add in this additional material, which as you and I both know, the program could easily yeah. double in length to do any justice. Bringing in the classics and doing the classics justice actually takes years and years. And so it's something that we certainly have integrated some of the classics into the curriculum, but as you're discovering, even as a translator, there's so many out there that are waiting to be discovered and so many very esoteric ones that just really haven't become mainstream that have so much to offer. So there's just this surfeit of information that's available. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have the answer really on how to bring forth more of these virtue teachings in other than I think now in today's world where so many things are digital, it's giving us more opportunity to create external education from the main programs, which will allow mm. people, if they have an interest in these veins, to continue traveling down them. And that is through... Mm -hmm mentorships with you that's through our online studies at pacific room college online i would love to create more material on cultivating virtue and mm -hmm. studying taoism and whatever else it might be i'm also finding for myself personally and hopefully for the listeners of this podcast an incredible benefit from being able to have these conversations with the likes of you and heiner and I'm hoping that just in doing that, that people are gaining some insights and realizing some of the things that I've been realizing, that there's so much more to 
not just Chinese medicine and Chinese culture, but culture in general, life in general. Mm-hmm. There's so much to learn yeah. and so many different perspectives. And so I probably am not going to recreate whole new programs. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. No, your answer was beautiful. That 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 was a great answer. Thank you. But I think there are definitely opportunities now that are available to everyone. And I encourage people to check out Imperial mm-hmm. Tutor so they can learn more about how to work with you. I've interviewed a number of of individuals who are doing similar things, not not quite the same, yeah, but also are yeah. offering mentorships or opportunities for tutelage and those are amazing. So I definitely encourage people once you for anyone who's studying Chinese medicine, once you get your certificate or your diploma or your degree, that's that's kind of where the real learning begins, I find. Yes. Because yeah. once you step into clinical practice and continue with your studies, I think that's when we realize, well, there's so much more to this than I ever thought imaginable. But it's Chinese medicine is thousands and thousands of years old. It's the amount of information yeah. is unfathomable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a great answer. I'm glad I I'm glad I kept poking a little bit. And it's really it you know it's 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 a it's an optimistic answer, which is nice. Yeah. I normally don't talk this much in a podcast to be nice. Uh I would I'd rather just have the guest talk, but you're putting me out there, so <laughs> I'm sorry, it's because sorry. I I had I had to do this to Michael Max. I yeah. I it was it was payback time because he's interviewed me like three times. And finally it was like, okay, Michael, you're coming, you're becoming you're you're coming to a tea time talk. This is a so tea time I get talk, to isn't ask it? you questions <laughs> because it has to go the other direction. So yes, you're you're gonna be on a tea time talk as well. <laughs> well, the worst part is is I have to listen to this again during the production phase. I don't like no. listening to myself. I I'm never happy do. to listen no, to you, but <laughs> no, I totally. With it's you. so much easier if I just don't say much. Yeah, the tea time talks don't get edited. They just, <laughs> I just record them and boom, I'm done. No, otherwise they would never, none of them would ever yeah. get published. Tell us a little bit about Happy Goat Productions. Well, that's just, um, um, that's just where I publish my books. Well, that's important because you so, have a lot of them and so yeah, much information. Yeah, you know, there. I mean, I really, and that's the trick right now is just balancing. Like, I have not, I've been so busy with publishing the celestial secrets book and then doing the imperial tutor mentorship and really figuring out and learning the soft this really complicated new software program um really changing the whole way my my life works around um that i haven't had time to translate but i want to get back to translating teaching and then doing some business related stuff like the publishing I mean, it's it it's fun, but it's really just a vehicle for me to to get the books out there. Yeah. So I don't want to publish anybody else's books. I'm I've learned a lot the hard way, and I think self-publishing, the new world of print on demand has has really it's kind of like the Zoom thing. It's 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 a great opportunity for for people to produce books in really and and i can see it like what the purple cloud people are doing um they're they're just there's a there's a 
big world out there now for people to to self-publish and to do to do a really bad job and to do a really good job. And it's another way in which we can be really, it, it, I like to empower people. So I hope that my example with Happy Goat Productions of me publishing my own books will inspire people to do the same thing. You can, you know, publish your own books. And if they're good books, hopefully you sell some of them. I mean, I don't sell, you know, <laughs> truckloads of books. And that's why no normal publisher would, you know, would be interested in like the pediatrics book, the, you know, that that one will never pay for itself. And that's totally okay, because mm. it, it's a labor of love. Yeah. yeah. And other books sell much better. Uh, so it's all a balance of, of, it's it's about publishing. It's about trans, and I take the word publishing really seriously. It's about making the ancient knowledge accessible to the most amount of people. And if all I'm doing is keeping, like the Celestial Secret book, um, I could keep my ability to translate and read that text. I could hold on to that and teach it in private seminars for $2,000 a pop. And I could make a lot of money. It would be easy to fill a seminar like that with 100 people. But that's unethical. It's not my text to hold on to and possess. So instead, if I'm publishing it as a book, boom, it's out there and everybody can read it. And I really like, like, that's why I like publishing. Mm. Well, I encourage everyone to go to happygoatproductions.com to check out all of your amazing books. You've written and translated so many. I personally want to give a testimonial for Let the Radiant Yang Shine Forth and the 12 Characters, which is a transmission of Wang Feng Yi's teachings to incredible... I'll say life-changing books, especially for someone who hasn't been introduced to this work before. And whether you're a practitioner or not, there's so much to be gleaned from these books. So again, thank you for leaving those at my house. Thank you for finding them. <laughs> well, the time was I guess right. we need to we need to thank Heiner, who used to be my neighbor outside of Portland, and his his wife is a dear dear friend. She's they're goat people, right? You know. Yes. Yep. Did you guys talk about? We goats? talked about goats. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys would love Sharon Heiner's wife. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a great circles. You know, it's all yeah. connections. And. The Imperial Tutor website, is that imperialtutor.com? Yep. Okay, so please go there as well to find out more about being part of the Tea Time Talks and getting the scrolls. It all sounds wonderful. Thank you for yeah, putting we're all doing that together. Yeah, we're doing a Tea Time Talk on the greatest hits of early Chinese philosophy and literature this upcoming Saturday. <laughs> you're in, oh, I guess who knows when you're going to produce this thing, but I'm all excited about this that. This will be a few weeks away, but yes. It'll be, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, thank you so much. Are there any other websites that you want to send people to? Are those the two main ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank and you. And thank you for your for your work for the profession for doing you know having these conversations. Well, it's my absolute honor and privilege. So and and, and pleasure. I could, and I could never be an administrator. And I yeah, your school felt really good. It it I I loved visiting and and so you know as an I think as an administrator you have a huge role to play. Mm. I think education is where it all starts. So, yeah. Well, thank you for that. 
It's been great to finally connect again, Sabina. And hug your kiddos for me. (laughs) (laughs) I will do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for a delightful conversation and a good reminder of where my own work is at now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Sabina Wilms. For more about Sabina and her work, please visit imperialtutor.com. To purchase her books, peruse the selection at happygoatproductions.com. If you are interested in studying Chinese medicine, the School of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned multi-year programs, including world's first study options combining acupuncture with Western herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in Chinese medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at pacificrimcollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, consider a relationship that you greatly value and how taking radical personal accountability might elevate it to a new level of health and harmony.